The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Anthropologist Margaret Mead said, children must be taught how to think, not what to think. My guests today are a nine-year-old who thinks profoundly and feels compassionately and his amazing mom, who is there allowing him to flourish. They are Vegan Evan and his mother, Shannon Blair, and I am Victoria Moran, your host for this program and the Chief Compassion Officer here at Main Street Vegan, where I write books and produce films with the aim of contributing to a kinder, saner, and more just world. I'm also founder and director of Main Street Vegan Academy, which I've always described as an in-person adult education program in New York City. But one remarkable student in the October 2019 class put that adult part on its head when Vegan Evan became the world's youngest person to be certified as a vegan lifestyle coach and educator when he and his mom came to New York for the course. Well, they are back again, this time for Evan, the ambassador for Million Dollar Vegan, to do a 21 outlet radio satellite tour and other media appearances here and in D.C. and all over the place. Vegan Evan is president of Animal Hero Kids and a homeschooled fourth grader. His mother, Shannon Blair, is a dedicated full-time mom and animal rights activist trying to make a better world for all. Welcome, Shannon and Vegan Evan. Hello. Hey, it's wonderful to have you. Wonderful to have you back here. So I always like to start with my guests' vegan stories. So in your family, who discovered this first? Well, when I was nine years old, my cousin came back from college to visit on Thanksgiving, and she was not eating any animals at that time. And she dared me to not eat any animals that day. So as a nine-year-old, I took the dare and... She knew how much I loved animals, so that evening, after all the delicious food, she showed me a video, a really sad video, and it was all I had to see. I never ate another animal again. 
And then um, for a long time, I was an activist for vegetarianism, and I spoke up for the animals as far as I knew what was happening to them. And then Evan was born, and I actually decided not to raise him vegetarian. And I had a few reasons. Uh, for one, I'd gotten made fun of a lot when I was a child, but it didn't matter because I made the choice myself and I knew that it was the right thing to do. So I really wanted to afford him the same opportunity. And I thought, you know, if I, if I raised him with the same morals and values that my mom had instilled in me and I taught him to be kind to everyone, then I hoped that he would make the same choice someday. And he shocked me when he was four. He decided to stop eating most animals, but he still wanted to eat fish, right, Up? Yeah. And then do you want to tell what happened next? So we read some articles, and I said, uh, well, we were reading some articles about how fish feel, just like the animals that I was giving up. And once I saw, oh, they want to live just like us, that family, friends, and feelings just like us, and just like the animals that I'm not eating, I stopped eating them. And then when I was five, my mom watched Conspiracy while I was asleep. And on the way to school, she said, Evan, I'm going to try to be vegan. And I said, I want to also. But she said, you can't have pizzas, you can't have cupcakes, you can't have a whole bunch of things. But she didn't know. And I said, no, Mom, if the animals are being hurt and not needed, then I don't want it. And as I said, she didn't know. So now we can have delicious vegan cupcakes and pizzas all the time. Yeah, I really tried to talk Evan out of going vegan. Uh, I just didn't know enough about it, and I wanted to try it first myself. I didn't know if it was a healthy choice. I didn't want him to miss out on things. And at that time, I, I really believed there were certain things he was going to miss out on. But now we know, like Evan said, we don't miss out on anything. Oh, it's so true. You are so reminding me of my earlier life when my daughter was a little girl. And when she was an infant, I was still lacto-vegetarian. I tried to be vegan many times and kind of fell off the wagon. But when she was an infant, I looked at her one day in her stroller and just thought, I can't give her these half-truths. I mean, either we're going to be ethical or we're not. So I became vegan largely so that she could be vegan. But just like you, when she was little, I would say things like, you know, if you ever want to try other foods... And, you know, she would look at me like, why? Why would I want to do that? And I finally got it that, that children so often, they really understand. They understand suffering. They understand the desire to want to live in ways that sometimes adults have forgotten. So, hooray. Thank now, you. As I look at you guys, you know, you're living an extraordinary life. You're doing amazing things out in the world. So I can imagine that when you were expecting this amazing child, you had a very different view of what mothering and raising a child would be like than the life you're living. So tell us kind of a day in the life. Tell us what goes on with you guys and, and how you both adapt and accommodate to, to being world changers. So we really, every day is different for us, right, Ev? Yeah. We, we do as much activism as we can, and that includes doing outreach. We really just want to educate everyone. We were just like everyone else at one point, and we realized that 
you know, everybody's kind of a victim at this point. We've all been born into a world of normalized violence. And so now that we know, we feel that it's our responsibility to educate our fellow human beings and help them and also help these innocent animals who have done nothing wrong. And in addition, it helps the planet. And that's really important because uh, right now it's, it's pretty scary. We're in the sixth great mass extinction of species on Earth. And uh, I want Evan to have a future and I want him to be able to have kids one day if that's what he'd like to do and not have to worry about all this stuff. So um, we spend our time doing a variety of things. We do some really sad things. We visit, we visit a lot of farms and even slaughterhouses, but then we also visit really happy places like animal sanctuaries where we can spend time with animals who have been rescued from horrific situations and really get to see their personalities. And, and we have a lot of friends that are chickens and pigs and cows and sheep and goats. And we know that they're just like the cats and dogs at home that everybody loves so much. And we know that most people are good and we want to help them to align their actions with the morals and values that they already have so that they can live a better life and be happier themselves. So, um, <laughs> yeah. How, how do you deal, Evan, with seeing stuff that's really sad? You know, a lot of people, they're worried even that their child would see some of this sad stuff that happens to animals, even in a photograph or a video. But you've seen some of it close up. What's that like for you? So I, I myself want to see it because I want to know what's happening to the animals so I know and I can stand up for them better. And I, I don't like to say it because it's really sad, but still I want to so I can say what happens to these animals. Well, that's very brave. Very, very brave indeed. So what do you do? that gets the word out. I mean, there are quite a few vegan kids now, and yet there's only one vegan Evan. I mean, I know we got Genesis Butler, we've got some other kids that are very prominent out in the world, but there's really just a handful. So how did that happen? Just, was it all from the internet? Was it from connecting with people? So we attended an Earth Day event about, let's see, Less than six months, I think, after going vegan, and Evan had already started making videos that he wanted to make when he was vegetarian, uh, when, he, when he was four, and he talked about, he actually made up a saying when he was four. Do you want to say it? Sure. Don't eat cats because they suffer and die. They don't like it, and neither do I. So he was already speaking up for the animals as a vegetarian through videos and talking to friends and family, but after we went to this Earth Day event, and um, it was a very small event and they had some live music under a tent and they saw him wearing his shirt and they said, hey, buddy, is, you, you want to say anything on the microphone? And he took that microphone and he just talked for maybe 30 seconds or a minute and everybody was so excited. And it was like after that, uh, he started getting asked to speak at different events um, in 2016. I had 
put him in the PETA Kids, Cutest Vegan Kids contest, which is not really about being cute. It's more just to show that there are lots of happy, healthy vegan children, and um, they're compassionate, they're kind, and they're trying to make the world a better place. But he ended up winning. He was voted uh, one of the two cutest vegan kids that year. And I think that got him some notoriety. And, and then, yeah, we started speaking at events and traveling. And we realized that people were really being inspired by Evan. So um, I decided that once I learned more about what's going on with the environment and all, uh, it became even more important. <laughs> I mean, obviously the animals, um, I think once you include sea life, it's about uh, over 100,000 animals that are unnecessarily dying every second. So obviously that's very important, but we're also running out of time to make these changes. So I had decided I wanted to leave my job and um, try to try to educate people and empower people <coughs> as often as possible. And so, yeah. So Evan, what's your favorite part about this This interesting life that you have helping the animals and you're a speaker you're also a rapper I don't mean to put you on the spot do you feel like doing a rap for us sure okay. definitely all right all right vegan Evan is my name same thing I was in my game I like to be vegan and UL too so go be get it's the best thing to do I don't eat meats and I don't eat eggs I don't eat anything that had legs yeah you heard I don't eat decomposing flesh. Instead, I eat fruits and veggies that are fresh. I don't eat or drink anything that's scary. So I definitely don't do dare. Hey, my friends got something to tell. I got tips that'll help you stay well. Now is the time to go vegan. It'll help you feel you're healthy again. Not only will it help you, it'll help the ecosystem too. What about the poor? Cows, pigs, and hens? Don't you think we should treat them as our friends? They have families, friends, and feelings too. And they want to live just like me and you. So go vegan is the best thing to do. It'll help you, the animals, the environment too. Woohoo! Yay! Well, nobody could disagree with that. God bless you. So you are president of Animal Hero Kids. What is Animal Hero Kids? So Animal Hero Kids is an all-volunteer, nonprofit organization that reaches millions of kids and teens each year. And their message is to spread the word of kindness towards all. Very cool. And uh, the person who's the founder of that is? Susan Hargreaves. Susan Hargreaves. And she was actually a guest on the show a year or so ago. So if anybody wants to look that up and listen to Susan talking about the organization and, and the wonderful Animal Hero Kids book. So you are president of this organization. What if you were president of this country? What would your platform be? What would you want to see happen? So, yeah, I want to run for president in 2048, and hopefully by then we have a vegan world where everyone's nice to animals. I think that would be amazing, and I would just try to get everyone to be kind to each other and because we're all humans, and they're all animals, and there's really nothing different with any of us, we're all people. So I think that like maybe I could, I think it'd be awesome if like there was no crime, no one was mean to anyone, the animals could just be like humans kinda. Sounds good to me too. Yeah, cause around here the animals are like humans kind of. Kind. We, we gotta, 
dog and a bird that are, <laughs> they're just people too. So, so you've got experience of being a president and the million dollar vegan people have reached out to the current president of the United States um, to see if he would go vegan in January. Uh, they reached out to His Holiness Pope Francis last spring with the same invitation, and um, he respectfully declined. And now the million dollars is being offered to President Trump to go to any veterans organization of his choice if he is willing to go vegan in the month of January. So as the ambassador of uh, Million Dollar Vegan, what is your message to President Trump? So, yes, last time we did the Pope, but he didn't answer. So this time we're doing the president. So we asked him if he'll go vegan for the month of January. And now if he does, we'll donate $1 million to the veterans charity or charities of his choice and this is amazing if he said yes it'd be so awesome it's a patriotic choice because it would help our economy it would help the health of america it'll help the american people and america in general it sounds like a good idea to me now one thing i have seen and i'm sure shannon you see this all the time because you guys are out there in the public eye and some people think it's all cute and fun and wonderful and others see how important it is and how what a heart connection you guys have to the animals and to this message and other people as i've read in some of these comments online it their their response to being invited and even looking at a vegan or plant-based lifestyle is is often hateful and, and it, it just seems like people believe that we're trying to take away something precious so so what do you do with that how do you protect your child and you know get up every day and go out there again up against sometimes people who are not being as kind as you're raising your son to be. So it kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier that, you know, everyone is kind of a victim and has been born into this world of normalized violence. So rather than us getting hurt or upset by the things that people might say, we try to keep in mind that, you know, it's not their fault that they have these beliefs and it's not our parents' fault or our grandparents either, we've all been essentially lied to. And so keeping that in mind really helps us to not, you know, take anything to heart. And then we just do our best to educate people. If we can find time to respond to some of these um, interesting comments and things, then we do because it's important that uh, the people who read through might see response. But, um, you know, you just have to remember that we were we were like that at one point too. I mean, I was vegetarian for 19 years before going vegan, and I really thought that vegans were the craziest, strangest people out there. I didn't understand it. I really thought that they were making vegetarians look bad, and I talked terribly about them. And that was as as an animal lover who was speaking up for animals. So I just really have to be empathetic towards people who, you know, we're told that we need to drink cow's breast milk to, to be strong. We're told that we need to eat the body parts of other animals to thrive when, you know, now we, we know that it's the opposite. 
eating and consuming these things is really what's causing all of our problems. Yeah. So I think you also, and you've mentioned this to me, you sometimes get some flack from vegans. What, what, what's the vegans problem and what happens there? So I think maybe it's just a matter of, you know, when, when people go vegan, you're really acknowledging so much cruelty and so much suffering that's happening in the world. And I think we all go through stages. And I think most of us go through this really angry stage. And I, I just think sometimes uh, we have a reaction to certain things before we understand the full scope of what's happening and, and tend to attack if it's not our way. But we've tried to really, you know, take note that everybody's reached in a different way. And so all forms of activism, as long as they're nonviolent, then we are on board with that. And yeah, it's unfortunate when your own team is kind of fighting against you, but we can't let it bring us down. And so we're just going to keep going strong. Occasionally, I'll, I'll try to message people privately and, and just explain that I believe that that's very detrimental to the movement for people to see us publicly uh, talking down to each other, not being kind and compassionate. And yeah, it is hurtful. I mean, I work very hard to, to do as much good as we can. And when I have my personal friends and family members, people that I've grown up with that kind of think I'm this, you know, a little bit crazy because um, they've known me being vegetarian since I was nine and, and just different from everybody else. And when they see people that are supposed to be on my own team attacking me, then it really does hurt the animals because then it's going to deter other people from doing these things that we're trying to do. And I think the numbers show that it's just about one out of every hundred vegans that would be like an activist. And can you imagine if we had like 50 out of every hundred vegans trying to speak up for animals at every chance they got? I think we'd create change so much more quickly. So I think we just need to be kind to each other. And when we see something that we don't think is effective, and especially if we might think that it's not helping, that rather than calling out, we call in and we message our friends privately and we have a discussion with them rather than going after them publicly. Well, also, I see within the, the broad spectrum of vegan, I mean, obviously, we have the ethical vegans and, and health people and environmental people. And I think most everybody gets all of it you know, if they stay around long enough. So, for example, right now, I know Million Dollar Vegan is very big on the environmental uh, side of things. And in this particular campaign, really, really pushing the health. A lot of physicians are involved, Dr. Joel Kahn, so many of the others. So how do you see bringing it all together? I think veganism is like a Swiss Army knife. I had a really good friend that, that told me that, and I loved it. It's, it's really the solution to so many problems. And if we all work together, then we will create change much more quickly, which is like crucial at this point, because like I said earlier, we, we are running out of time. But I think that a lot of the time, health might be the motivation for people, or if they consider themselves environmentalists, that might be their first motivation. It's really hard when you're eating animals to acknowledge that you're hurting them so much. But I think that when people try going vegan for a different reason, 
then once they stop eating the animals, then they can acknowledge that cruelty and that suffering. And really, it's important that they do. Otherwise, it is kind of just like any other diet. If you don't uh, at least educate yourself on what's happening to the animals, it might not be so important. And it might be easier to cheat just like like trying to do a weight loss diet and you know a holiday comes up or something like that. But when you acknowledge what's happening, and if we could all have more empathy, I, I think the world would be a lot better anyway. I mean, if everyone could respect the lives of cows and pigs and chickens and fishes and insects like Evan does, then I, I think we'd be a lot nicer to each other. Mm. I think you're right. So Evan, um, in the last few minutes of this segment, I'm just interested in what you eat. What do you like to eat? So a lot of people think that vegans don't eat any good food, but that is so not true. I eat vegan cashew cheese quesadillas, vegan pizzas, and so many delicious vegan foods, vegan casseroles, so many good vegan foods. Yeah, some foods that we, we thought that we were missing at one point, we've just really had a lot of fun recreating uh, these non-vegan dishes into the vegan versions and once we figure that out then we share with friends and family or anybody that'll that'll listen we make some videos and so for example uh, I'm half Italian and my favorite pizza was white pizza and that's not something that you see too often here in New York City you do but um, at, in Melbourne Florida it's not very easy to get so we made up our own white sauce and we know which vegan cheeses are really tasty. We love Follow Your Heart. We love BioLife. We love Miyoko's. And there's some more that are really good, too. And, and now we make white pizzas, and we don't have to miss out on that. And we make stuffed shells, and we make calzones. And it's just so much fun. It just takes a little bit of learning. And now we're so lucky to have the Internet, um, high-speed internet, <laughs> and we can put the word vegan in front of anything, and we can usually find a, a YouTube video, but if we can't find a video, we can certainly find hundreds, if not thousands, of recipes for any one item. Yeah, it's amazing, and sometimes I'll see how far can you take it, and I'll do like vegan, oil-free, gluten-free, and you still find thousands of just, just about everything. So I want to ask real quick about these uh, cashew quesadillas because I've been reading about those. That's your favorite food, Evan? Yeah. So did you come up with that, Shannon? So we modified the recipe. I'm not sure where we initially saw it. I think it might have been carrots and flowers. I think that's the name of the um, place. But basically, yeah, we, we modified it a bit and now we have for the last couple of years, done it a certain way. And we have some really great tips for using cashews. We Well, we're just about to go to break. Okay. So we'll come back with those tips for using cashews. And maybe if you really have a good time here this hour, you'll share that recipe. And we can put it on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net, where we will also put information about you and Evan and where people can find you guys online and follow along with some of the wonderful adventures of your life. And we will be back in just a very few minutes with, oh, so much more with Vegan Evan and Supermom, Shannon Blair. Stay with us.
I'm Diane Ray, Program Director for Unity Online Radio. And from all of us at UnityOnlineRadio.org, thanks for your support and for helping us grow this year. We wish you a joyous holiday season. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for being with us today. It really does feel like a party with everybody listening and vegan Evan and Shannon Blair right here in my living room. I am so blessed. I do want to invite you all to check out MainStreetVegan.net where you can find out everything that goes on Beneath the Main Street Vegan umbrella, the blog this week is about epigenetics. Now, if that sounds like something really complicated and strange, it's not, but it is incredible. It's the wonderful discovery made by science in just the last 30 years that you can actually outwit your genes, that in many, many cases, lifestyle helps your genes to express in a positive way and keeps those negative potentialities from happening. So don't expect me to talk about something scientific and medical. That post is written by a medical doctor, Deborah Shapiro, MD. She is uh, an obstetrician and gynecologist, and she actually, with another physician, Dr. Nitu, also of the same specialty, will be guests on this very program, January 22nd, 2020. You can mark your calendar about that. So I'm back now with Vegan Evan and Shannon Blair. And when we went to break, we were promised tips for using cashews. Yes. So uh, it's always recommended usually to soak the raw cashews. So we like to soak them overnight if we have time. And because we often don't have time to do that, we'll buy them in bulk. We will get them soaked overnight all at once, rinse them off, and then freeze them in half cup and full cup portions. That way they're always soaked and ready to go, and they won't go bad like they would in the fridge. And so when it's time to make the cashew cheese, we simply grab either a half cup or a full cup, depending on how many people we're making it for. And then we add some other simple ingredients into the Nutribullet or whatever blender you might have. And then we have another tip. When it's time to pour the mixture into the pot, we have learned a way to prevent sticking and burning. So all you have to do there is just put some water in the pot ahead of time and put it on medium or medium-high heat. And then right before you pour your cashew cheese mixture in, you dump that water out, and that prevents the sticking and burning. Very smart. Love these tips. Yeah, raw cashews are one of the great things people discover when they go vegan. I think so often people look at, oh my gosh, that means I'm not going to have any eggs or any dairy. I mean, it just seems like this life sentence, you know, to be away from the things people are used to. But then you start getting all these perks. I mean, I never knew about leafy greens, not to mention raw cashews and all these, these other wonderful foods. So Evan, you just saved some turkeys. Yeah. Tell us about that. So we were in Utah and last year the owner surrendered 
100 turkeys, this time 20. But we're so excited we got to, my mom and me got to carry out a turkey along with our friend, and we brought them to a sanctuary that was nearby, and we got to hang out with them and come visit them again. So compared to other animals that you know, what are turkeys like? Well, like these turkeys, at first they're kind of shy because of where they came from. But then, like within a couple days or within like a day, they were like so happy. They were walking around and they were eating and it was awesome. The two turkeys that we saved while we were bringing them there, uh, they were laying together. Aww. They're so cute, and they're sleeping on each other. Yeah, it was really interesting this time around because the turkeys from last year, um, over 20 of them stayed at Happy Hen. Um, they traveled from Utah to California to Zoe Rosenberg's sanctuary that she started when she was 11 or 12. It's an amazing place. It is definitely one of the happiest places on earth. And these turkeys were, um, you know, they had their toes taken off when they were babies. They were all de-beaked completely. And so we got to go back and visit them a while after, months later. And these were some of the friendliest, happiest turkeys. I mean, it was like competition. If you sat down, all 20-something of them were trying to get on your lap. And they're just like our cats and dogs at home, once they know that they're safe and if they've been socialized a bit. And this year, the two that we brought to Sage Mountain Sanctuary in Utah were just, it seemed like they just knew they were safe. I try to imagine being them. And at first they were definitely quite scared. They huddled together. They don't know what's going on. It's like a bunch of aliens are passing them around. And I mean, they're the lucky ones, but they don't know that. And so they really just wanted to be with each other. When we got them to the sanctuary and got them unloaded, the second they saw each other again, they got right together and huddled in a corner. But then two days later, it was like, I don't know if they heard this, the other uh, four turkeys that live there that were rescued the year before talking to them from across the way, but it was like, they knew they were safe. They were climbing on our friend Johnny, who walked the other one out, and he works at the sanctuary there five days a week, and it was as if, like, they weren't even scared, when normally it does take at least a month or two, but it was so incredible to see. Oh, it sounds so beautiful, and I know a lot of people, even in our movement, say, don't waste your time saving four or 20 or even 100, because there are billions, and so when you save a few, it just makes people feel like everything's okay and then they can go on living the way they're living. But you see it very differently. What happened at this particular rescue that really has your heart warmed? So this is such an interesting situation. These turkeys were surrendered by the owner of the factory farm and slaughterhouse. He's a wonderful man. I know that's strange for some people. They say, what, a vegan? calling a slaughterhouse owner a wonderful person. But like we discussed earlier, we've all been born into this world. And just because you're doing horrendous things doesn't mean you're necessarily a bad person at heart. And so it's really interesting. These um, turkeys that were surrendered 
came from the same place that activists took turkeys from at one point and are right now currently facing felony charges. And the owner of the slaughterhouse has actually asked for those charges to be dropped because he doesn't feel like these people should be punished for saving them. And it's really amazing to see the way his heart has changed in about a year and a half's time. And so it's really special. And, you know, yeah, the, you know, what is it to save 20 or 100 just on Thanksgiving alone, over 46 million turkeys are killed. But to those 20, to those 100, it's everything. It's their whole life. And now that they've been rescued, people can meet them and we can share their stories. And that can really go a long way and save a lot of future turkeys from ever really having to be born into a miserable existence of suffering and, and death. That's the world we're going to have when Evan is president of the United States. So yeah. what, what's it like, Evan, talking to kids your age and kids other ages whose parents eat meat and who want them to eat meat? I mean, that's got to be really hard for a kid who feels like you do, but their parents are not on board. Can you say that one more time? Yeah, sometimes there are kids who want to be vegan or vegetarian, and their parents tell them that they can't. Do you know any kids like that? Or if you did, what would you say to them? Well, I would say uh, you should try to educate your parents. Like, there's all these great, great documentaries. And you can tell your parents and say, can you please watch this cool movie? And then they can watch it. And, like, what the hell? They can see, oh, my gosh, it gives you such better health. And then maybe they'll understand, oh, well, if I want my kid to grow up and be strong like a big rhino or elephant or giraffe, then we're going to have to let him be on a plant-based diet or better a vegan lifestyle if he'd like to. Cool. Yeah, parents love their children. So it's just we have some misinformation out. And we, like Evan said, if we educate ourselves, I mean – in the same way that a parent wouldn't hand their kids cigarettes, they if they understood how detrimental these so-called foods were really for their children's health, I think it would be the same. But we've been taught that we need to eat these things to survive and to thrive. So I think once they have the facts, it, it becomes a lot easier. They're just trying to protect their children, and um, they just need the right information. Yeah. So, Evan, what do you like to do when you're not saving animals? What are some of your favorite things? Things to do. Hmm. Well, aside from being vegan and doing activism, I really like to cook uh, for fun. But then, of course, we do always show videos. So that's fun and cooking and activism, I guess. But I like to ride my bike and my electric scooter, and swim, and play baseball, because I'm just a regular kid. All it is is that I want to help the world, and I want to help the animals, and I want to help everyone's health, and I want to help the environment. Well, I remember when you guys were visiting here once, you built a pretty cool fort out yeah, of I couch like cushions. He <laughs> <laughs> builds forts almost everywhere we go, but that might have been one of the best ones. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember that with my daughter, because uh, we homeschooled uh, as well, and and 
she would get up in the morning, sometimes earlier than me, and I would go in and I would see all this creation. And I thought of that fairy story about the elves and the shoemaker and how he would wake up and all these elves had come in and made the shoes for him. And I felt like, you know, there's this, this brilliant little person in there doing all this creativity. And somebody said once, because we were homeschooling and this person didn't really approve of that. And he says, so I guess you don't get report cards. And somebody else at the table said, no, she gets boarding passes. So I've always held on to that. So Shannon, what, what's your experience as a homeschooling mom? You know, I thought we were just going to maybe do it for a year or two. And it's been so amazing. I, I give Evan the option every year and ask, how does he feel about it? Does he want to try going back to uh, either a private or a public school? And he's adamant about wanting to stay homeschooled because it's just been so wonderful. We, even though we're doing hard things, we travel a lot. We get to spend so much more time together. And we, we get to learn about a lot of things together. Evan teaches me a lot. And rather than just learning about the standard, um, sometimes mundane things, Evan can pick, like, he was really interested in Easter Island. He was already learning a lot about it. So then that's what he did a project on. And he knows more about Easter Island than anyone I know. And uh, also, when, when children aren't being challenged, then they tend to be bored and get in some trouble. And when we're homeschooling, we don't ever have that problem. We can, you know, challenge. Evan's been doing algebra for four years now. He really wants to learn calculus, so now I have to learn it. <laughs> or we'll learn it together, something like that. But yeah. it's been amazing. I um, I don't think we'll ever stop, but, but like I said, Evan will get the option. And if at some point in time he decides he wants to give middle school or high school a try, then then I'll absolutely let him. What's your favorite thing in your what you're learning in life? Hmm. Math. Yeah, I remember that. When you were here, you were doing some kind of mathematical calculations <laughs> that, that were very impressive. Yeah, I mean, with my daughter, it was the humanities. And she saw Les Mis on Broadway. And then she read Les Miserables. And I think she was 11. And, and just like with the, the Easter Island, she saw um, a Broadway show about conjoined twins, uh, Daisy and Violet Hilton, who had lived in the 1920s, and they were in vaudeville. And then she got interested in, in genetics and, and did a, a big research dive into that. So it's amazing what happens when children just get to explore the world. Definitely. And your, your mom is part of this process, too. Yeah, my mom too. helps out so much. And I think she really just loves, I mean, she loves spending time with Evan anyway, but I think she loves being a part of his education. And she's really focused so much with him on vocabulary. Uh, people tend to think sometimes that the things he says are scripted, but uh, we have Grandma Lynn to thank a lot for that because she's been working with him even since before he was homeschooled, honestly, when he was in VPK in kindergarten, she loved to do synonyms. And yeah, when we'd be in the car on the way to church, she'd uh, play a game with me, and we'd do, like, all these different games. We'd do, like, one where she'd say bat, and I'd say something that rhymed with it, or synonyms, or homophones, and all those. 
Maybe that's why you're such a good rapper, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those that's... two raps Evan did earlier, he wrote one when he was five and the second part when he was six. Wow, you're not waiting around. <laughs> so just uh, give us a sentence or two on Easter Island. What should we know about that? So Easter Island, if no one knows about it, what it is is it's one of the most remote islands. Uh, its closest thing is 1,000 miles away. And it has these big statues called the Moai statues. And a lot of people just think that they're heads, but they have full bodies and arms and feet underground. And it's really cool. Some of them have the bones of the chiefs there. And it's awesome. And they, the people there were called Rapa Nui. And they had, I forget the word for it, but they had a whole bunch of magic. All the statues were magic. They said, I forget the word for it. Like shamanism? I'm, I don't know if that's the word they okay. used. But yeah. Well, that's cool. And so you probably know about Stonehenge too. Yeah. Cool. Maybe yeah. we'll get to visit there yeah. someday. That'd be cool. <laughs> okay. Maybe I, maybe I can see what it's like. That'd be cool. Well, maybe if uh, Alan or Tim are listening from the UK Veg Fest. They'll get you guys over there, and you can just take a side trip to Stonehenge. Sounds like a good idea to me. Maybe I'll go the same year, and we'll uh, do it all together. Well, that'd be yeah, fun, That huh? would be a lot of fun. Well, what's so cool, I think, about veganism is it really is, it's a global phenomenon. And, and so just what you're getting to do now, like today you talk to so many radio hosts and, and media people, that are new, that they don't know anything about veganism. You know, it's just because a million dollar vegan and it seems like a news story to them. So what do you think when you talk to people, do they just seem clueless or do they seem like interested? Kind of both. So some, some people are like, so you're on this radio. What are you here to talk about? But some of them are like, I heard that you're a million-dollar vegan. You asked President Trump to go vegan for January. What's that like? How do you feel? What's this all about? But, what about when you talk about veganism? Veganism. Like today you got some interesting questions about some of the animals, right? Yeah. I, I forget what the questions were. About piggies? Oh, yeah, about piggies. I love piggies. Yeah. There was somebody that, that was afraid, they said, to touch the animals and – and they thought that pigs are dirty, one of the ladies that we met today. Yeah. And you explained to her, what about pigs? That pigs are actually one of the cleanest animals, and they love to be clean, but the only reason that they're dirty is because they go in the mud because of sweat glands. And then when they're at the farms, farms. they're dirty for a different yeah. reason because we don't give them the option not to be. Yes. Yeah. But it seems like lately so many people have been so interested and they're like, I mean, today at the studio, all the people that work there pretty much had tons of questions for us and wanted to know about what do we do when we go out to eat? What do we do when we're traveling? What do we love to cook at home? Uh, do we have any cheeses that taste good? And, you know, I think it's important that we talk about the fact that they don't all taste great. And you have people that are trying to recreate 
these dishes that we're used to eating by using plants. And like you said earlier, some of them are gluten-free, some are soy-free, some are nut-free. And so I recommend to people when they try something that, first of all, they don't try to compare it to, to what it's supposed to be. Just ask yourself, does it taste good or does it not taste so good? And if it doesn't taste so good, don't eliminate that thing completely. Just try a different brand or try to make a different recipe at home until you figure out what you like. And, I mean, in the same way that we don't like all the food that's not vegan before we were vegan, it's the same thing. Just um, a lot of different flavors now. And honestly, I've become a lot less picky. Evan's helped with that. I used to hate mushrooms and I hated onions. And now, I mean, we went to Beyond Sushi yesterday. And for somebody who hated mushrooms just a couple years ago, I got the fungi dumplings and the Mighty Mushroom Sushi Roll. And they were phenomenal. And I have Evan to thank for that. Oh, that's wonderful. So even moms can change. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you want those mushrooms and onions. Those are some of Dr. Furman's G-bombs. Greens, beans, onions, mushrooms, berries, and seeds. Got to get those in every day. So the world going forward, how do you see the next five years? Like you'll be, what, 14 and <laughs> Yeah. yeah. What's the world going to be like? Well, hopefully the whole world is mostly vegan and plant-based by then, and animals are treated like people, like they are here. Like, like they are Victoria's, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's hard sometimes for people to imagine that change can happen so quickly, but if we look at past movements – things do change very rapidly once they gain traction. And the vegan movement, the animal rights movement, the plant-based movement, whatever you want to call it, it's really gained traction these last few years. And with social media and with Netflix, having documentaries like The Game Changers coming out, all of this misinformation is being dispelled. And we have doctors who are showing us the science and the research and all these peer-reviewed studies that are backing it up. So I think that everyone loves their friends and family members. And I really think once they learn that we can really do this quickly, and I hope that we do. Well, and I think for the planet, you know, people are really waking up. And the other thing that to me is so positive is that the younger people are, the higher the percentage of vegans in that generation. So Evan, are you considered Gen Z or are you younger than Gen Z? Maybe they haven't named your generation yet. Generation V. <laughs> generation V. I love it. Okay, well, let's let's hold out for that. Generation Vegan. Because I do know, you know, there there's more millennials than there are um, Gen Xers. And there's more Gen Zs than there are millennials who, who, who are going vegan. So if you had it all to do over again, and I'm going to ask that to, to each of you, if you were starting out on your life journey brand new and you were just learning about veganism today what would your life look like what would you do differently or what would you do the same well if I was just learning about it today honestly I don't know how I'd react I I hope that with loving animals as much as I always have that I would change as quickly as possible but 
I'm not sure. I've, I found this information out when I was nine, and I think it's just so much easier for kids because they haven't been desensitized for as long. And so, gosh, I, I hope that once I found out the information, I'd change, and I'd hope that I'd want to help other people to change just like we're doing now. But I think I'm really fortunate that even though I didn't go vegan back in 1996, I immediately did become an activist back then. So I, I had some, you know, background and knowledge of how to do that. But gosh, that's a that's a great question. How about you, Evan? What if you were just a regular omnivore kid and somebody brought a vegan documentary to you to watch today? Hmm. I, hmm. I don't know. That's a really hard one, isn't it? What do you think if you just saw the Game Changers? If I just saw the Game Changers, well, I would have probably went vegan. And if I just saw the Game Changers, I would have exercised more. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely <laughs> compelling. And, um, I mean, gosh, they're doing a great job with these documentaries, really showing us how, how much we can really thrive on a plant-based diet. The, the evidence is there, and so finding out about the environment and the animal aspects as well. Yeah, I would hope that we would we would get on track and soon be where we are now, but <laughs> it's hard to say. Well, I, I, I love this thing that you're saying that that everybody's been brainwashed, you know, and we all have to meet people where they are, which is it's so difficult when you think about the animals, you know, you just want to like, make people change, but because we can't you know, we just have to use that same love that we have for the animals with everybody and with ourselves. Good idea. So everybody, you've got to know these people. This mom and son are just absolutely remarkable human beings. VeganEvan.com, at VeganEvan on Instagram, and Million Dollar Vegan, MillionDollarVegan.com. You can find out what they're doing, what's happening with their uh, presidential bid <laughs> to and get the president vegan. And also you can sign up at milliondollarvegan.com to go vegan for January. Fabulous. Hopefully along with the president if he says yes. And if he doesn't, we'll just do it ourselves. Exactly. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Be kind, be happy, be healthy, be vegan. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries, sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.